Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mark Matthews, Head of Research in Asia at Bank Julius Baer, and welcome to our first podcast of the year. The beginning of the year is when we take a clean sheet of paper to look at things anew. And in that spirit, let me say there are good reasons why the market should do well this year. If you're still thinking of 2023, you might be inclined to some skepticism around what I just said, and I wouldn't blame you for that because the S&P 500 index returned 26% last year. Do you really want to buy something when its price just went up by 26%? But remember what it did before that, from its high on January 3rd, 2022. The S&P fell 25% until October of that year, and even though it's risen since then, it still hasn't taken out that old high. As of today, the 1st of January 2024, the S&P is still a tiny smidgen, half a percent to be precise, below the January 2022 high. So you'll see a lot of commentary about how the S&P is about to make a new all-time high and kind of makes it sound like the market must be overextended and expensive, but in fact, the market hasn't done anything for two years. Usually when that happens, the market gets a lot cheaper because historically, the S&P's earnings grow by about 8% per year. But over the last two years, earnings growth was a lot lower than that. In 2022, it was only 4%. In 2023, earnings fell by 1% on average in the first three quarters of the year, and analysts think they grew by 2.4% in the fourth quarter. We'll find out in a couple of weeks if that's true or not. I assume the analysts are on the low side and earnings will pleasantly surprise. But for simplicity's sake, if we assume the analysts are right, if you add the first three quarters to the fourth quarter, earnings last year only grew by 1.5%. So now we can see why the S&P is only at the same level it was two years ago. What happens next? Well, there's technical analysis based on charts and fundamental analysis based on economics and financial conditions. On the technical side, assuming the S&P does manage to rise more than half a percent over the next few days, it will make a new all-time high. Looking back since 1950, there were 14 other times when the S&P made a new all-time high after more than 12 months without one. And when we look at what happened next, Both three months later and 12 months later, it was up in 13 of those 14 times. In case you're interested, the only time it was down was the global financial crisis in 2008. And the average return of all 14, including 2008, was a return of 5% three months later and 15% 12 months later. So that's the technicals, and they're looking pretty bright. As for the fundamental analysis, intuitively you'd think there'd be a link between GDP growth and stock market returns. So when I tell you we expect GDP growth in the United States to be just 1.3% this year, half of what it was last year, well, you'd be forgiven for thinking the stock market shouldn't do very well this year. But actually, that link between GDP growth and the stock market does not exist. If it did exist, China the country with the world's best GDP growth over the last 30 years should also have been the best-performing stock market in the world. And the U.S., with its very pedestrian GDP growth over the last 30 years, should have been among the worst. Instead, over the last 30 years, the U.S. stock market has returned 10% per year. And in dollars, including dividends, China's stock market has returned zero. So returning to earnings, because those are the most important thing. 
Remember, over 40% of S&P 500 company revenues come from outside the United States. Remember as well, American companies have consistently been leaders in innovation and so have returns on equity twice what returns on equity are in Europe and Asia. I mentioned earnings growth in the S&P was very weak in 2022 and 2023, and the reasons for that were numerous. A high base of comparison from the stimulus-fueled earnings rush and the pandemic itself, and then the post-pandemic boom, and then the big wave of inflation that came with that, and all the margin pressures that accompanied that inflation, the Federal Reserve and other central banks having to step in and raise interest rates. What a roller coaster it's been. But all of those things are behind us now, except for high interest rates, which I'll get to in a minute. And in the third quarter of last year, earnings growth turned positive again. It was almost surely positive in the fourth quarter as well. Looking back in history, usually an earnings recovery is stronger than the earnings decline that preceded it. And the consensus looks for 12.5% earnings growth for the S&P this year, 8.2% for 2025. We look for about 10% in both years, so we think those numbers are about right. The S&P is on a price-earnings ratio of 23 times, a bit more than its long-term average of 20 times. But if the earnings grow by what we and the consensus think, then the S&P will be on 20 times by the end of this year, 17 and a half times by the end of 2025. It's just very difficult to see why the market should go down unless there's a big recession. We don't expect one of those. None of the economic data we monitor, from consumption to employment, from business sales to real income, suggests a recession is coming. What we do see, admittedly, is pretty low GDP growth. I mentioned just 1.3% this year. For next year, we're looking for 1.75%. Meanwhile, we look for inflation to be about 2.5% in both those years. And that's where interest rates kick in. They're the icing on the cake, because... Does it really make sense for the Federal Reserve to hold interest rates at 5.5% where they are now, when both GDP growth and inflation are going to be way below that? And the answer is, of course, it does not make sense. It would be hurting economic growth, maybe even risk something worse, like a banking crisis. And so we look for rates to be cut, starting in May and then again in September, and in January and June of next year. If we put all of that together, it's just very difficult to see the stock market going down. Of course, all of that is only predictions. To quote the famous baseball player Yogi Berra, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. Many studies have shown that to be true. One from the International Monetary Fund found that economists only predicted five. Of 153 recessions in 63 countries around the world, nine months before they happened. Five out of 153. But here's another quote from the slightly more scholarly Lebanese poet Khalil Gibran. I have seen the future, and it looks very much like the present, only longer. And for the stock market, as cliche as it sounds, that's true. Stocks, if they're the stocks of companies that grow their earnings and pay dividends go up over time, and the companies that are listed on the S&P 500 index are in aggregate exactly those kind of companies. That's why over the last 100 years, that index has returned on average 10% per year. The best companies get pushed to the top. The worst companies get pushed to the bottom and then right out of the index. And in the middle, there's a whole bunch of up-and-comers constantly joining the ranks or existing companies that are being acquired by other companies for above-market prices. So we can look at the world with some trepidation, it's true. 
an election in the United States that's sure to be a lively one. The outcome of the war in Ukraine could define much of the world order. There's potential for a wider war in the Middle East, not to mention the South China Sea. The world is full of Pandora's boxes, but actually it always has been. Just think of all the things that happened in the last 100 years and still the S&P managed to return 10% per year. This is Mark Matthews signing off for now. On behalf of all my colleagues at Julius Baer, we wish you every success for this year, and we'll speak with you again next week. Goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, please tell us by leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player to stay up to date with our latest episodes. To learn more about Julius Bayer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbayer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbayer.com slash legal slash podcast for further important legal information.